I'ma need a day off, I think I call Ferris up. Yeah. Mueller had a Mueller, but I switched it for a melee, cause I'm richer. And prior to this shit was moving freebase. Had a conference with the DJs, yeah. Puerto Rico three days. Polly with the PDs, now they got that shit on replay. We are back. Glorious day to talk about more watches, no concept of time. Episode three. I'm here with Yaniv. I'm your host, Edwin. Yaniv has just recently become, once again, a new father to a new daughter. How's that submariner holding all those uh, all those tears? It's been a long week. I'm uh, I'm tired for sure. <laughs> she was born on Tuesday, early morning, and I think I've got a well. I've gotten much more sleep than my wife has, but probably eight hours of sleep this week. So, um, running on low here. A, a, a lot of uh, a lot of time looking at that new Apple Watch. Yeah, a lot actually. I ordered it uh, yesterday <laughs> for pickup. But uh, th- what's annoying is they're back ordered everywhere, so I'm gonna have to wait till like November to get it. But um, mm. I did have one story. I was actually in the when uh, my wife was delivering the baby. I was like, I'm gonna time this thing. So I was wearing my Omega Seamaster 300M, the blue one. Yeah. And um. I bezeled to time it because I was like, this can't be more than an hour long. So I was like, I switched, I shoved the bezel over and um, it took a total, I think 12 minutes total from when we started, well, when she started pushing and uh, we had Denver. So uh, pretty quick, actually. I took a cool picture of it too. Now, now uh, you have a story with that, that Omega Seamaster. Now, does that now hold sentimental value for you now with that watch? 100%. 100% and the fact that her middle name is blue with a blue Seamaster I think that's going to be her watch I think so that watch is going nowhere that watch is going nowhere that's mine forever right. stays in the case there you go do you have like something like that for each one of the kids you, you have three um not really to be oh, honest wow. with you I have <laughs> my wedding watch, which I would like for the girls to wear at their weddings but it's still going to be my watch until uh <laughs> I croak. Um, I'd like to eventually kind of build a story with each one and slowly as they get older and older and into their adult ages, uh, have them start appreciating it and then picking out from my collection, I guess. I mean, it's better when the when the uh, the watches connected with a story, like genuinely. Like that just happened. Like, hey, I have this watch on. Like, I'm going to use it for what it's actually used for. And here we are. Yeah, I mean that's the that's what I love about watches. It's that like that time vessel, that thing that can grow forever. Like the Apple Watch, I'm gonna have to get a new one after a year or two once it starts to get buggy and yeah, and out. But these kinds of things are things you keep forever. Speaking of the Apple Watch, like you said, they're backdoored everywhere. Is this a product of the watch god, your favorite watch person wearing this watch now, your boy John Mayer? I'm, I think. Him making that post, I, I people I think looked at it a little bit differently. They're like, "Oh, this is a really different watch," and he appreciates nicely built things. So mm-hmm. coming from him, it's got to be cool, you know. I mean, he he was giving a review on it, wasn't it? Like he was getting a review while he was hiking or something. I think a little bit. I th- I'm sure he's gonna. He's done. He's written a couple posts for Hodinkee, so I'm sure he's gonna write something up for it because it's it's definitely in his wheelhouse he's definitely like an outdoorsy guy who lives in montana and he's probably gonna go hiking or whatever and do a whole post about it it's a nice watch like genuinely it's a it's a it's a better it's more in the aspect of a watch than all the other apple watches are as far as look wise for me yeah no 100 percent. the titanium does it for me the titanium like the titanium the the band that it comes with the one that's like the hook and loop yeah um feels more of like a utilitarian when you're hiking a mountain you're gonna want that and i've also thought i've been doing a lot about thinking about wearing two watches wearing the apple watch and another watch but <laughs> that's for a different conversation you want you want to you want to be the you want to be that guy i don't know i mean you're definitely that person when you're doing it um 100 but i'm going like scuba diving right I'm going to want to wear the Omega and I want to wear the Apple watch for different reasons. I want to wear the Omega because I want to go diving with the Omega, but I want the Apple watch to know how deep I am. So I don't die when I go diving. Okay. But see that's circumstantial. You're not just some right. douche walking around the mall with a submariner and then an Apple watch. That makes to me when it's not like 
for use, it makes no sense for me to have one Rolex and then one Apple Watch. Like, maybe maybe if you're running, but I would tell you why you're running with a Rolex anyways. Like, in doing any, like, fitness besides diving, like, that is useful, I, why, we, why would you be wearing that? To me, at least. Some people just like wearing jewelry or watches all the time anyways. Well, my thing would be, like, if I'm training for... Let's say I'm training, which will never happen, to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> I think it'd be cool to, to to take the Apple Watch on the right wrist and then take, like, the Rolex Explorer on the left wrist because that's what that was made for. And it's, like, a, a piece of history, and that can kind of, you know, you can have a store engrave them. Yeah, and then kind of – it's the same kind of thing with the kids. Yeah. It's, like, building yeah. with the watch, hold those again, memories. Once again, circumstantial. You're not, you're not Hard Rock Nick – at these games wearing double watches like there's a specific type of guy that wears double watches and it's that guy for sure hard rock nick has the uh the dave and busters rolex the one that you can find at the when you win a hundred thousand tickets and you get that fake <laughs> date just two-tone with like the plastic diamonds on it in that, that's the guy who buys bust downs and the guy who tells you that he doesn't want Cartier because it's, it's like a quote-unquote lesser brand. It's Rolex or die. That's the guy right there. That's 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 the type of guy that, we're, that when we talk about certain people, double watches, bust downs, and all that, that's the type of guy that you look forward to. And you guys can all like go on Instagram and look for him. He will pop up. It's Trust me, it's the guy that you're like, it can't be this guy. It's that guy. Um, guys, no. My mom loves him. Do we want to get into the Jaeger top three? Yeah, you want to? I'll share mine, even though okay. this is not my homework. Mine, because I honestly didn't. I, I know the brand. I know it's the watchmaker's watch. I know it's like super well known, and everyone loves it. But I've never really like done. I the one watch that I've kind of researched was the Reverso. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of my picks. Um, I I guess I'll start there. I picked the classic moon phase reverso in pink gold uh the black leather band it's the one i think jay-z has yeah that he was picking with the tux i think it's such a cool look like with a white tux and wearing that rose gold classic watch unbelievable um like the design is perfect you know cool story about the the um, reverso it was supposed to be it is technically a sports watch it was made for polo players so that when they played polo they could flip it over and yeah be protected so it's in my realm. I'll take it. Sports watch. Um, my next watch I picked was the uh, Jaeger Lacoutte Polaris Date in stainless steel. The one with the, like the army green face. That's a nice the Polaris watch. comes. Polaris comes in so many different um, variations. Variations now, yeah, in different um, metals they come in. I think there's even a QP version of one, but that all of those seem like a little bit too much. This is like the vacation watch. This is like the high high end vacation watch for me, where like. You're you you're renting a hundred foot yacht in, like, Capri, and you're wearing this with a crazy bathing suit or something. To me, this is the perfect vacation watch. So, I picked that one, and then the last one I picked was the Master Control Geograph, the classic. I forget who. I, wasn't there like a superhero that wore this or someone? No. Uh. uh damn. Is it this this watch? That it's um Doctor Strange that wears. Is this the one that I told told you that I want to buy? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It's the ultra thin. What I love about it is that it doesn't. It's it's not as like symmetrical as most watches. It has like a asymmetrical kind of face. Like the complications are kind of all over the place, but it gives it a certain um, stature to it. To me, that it like it looks so pleasing to the eye. So, so it has like the so world. Clean. Kind of, yeah, it's just so. It has a power reserve. The date function is like a full wheel. Um, the it has the power reserve on the left hand side and then the actual like time on the bottom and then the world timer all the way on the bottom on the six o'clock it's like between eight and four i think it is it's just so well done it's it's perfectly placed also we're gonna have to get in uh this conversation one day best best watches like top rank top five best watches in the movie oh yeah for sure we could do a whole because i think that we could that Doctor Strange one definitely makes it for me because that watch is fucking beautiful. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole series on just we can talk about TV shows and just watches too. Like there's in cinema in general, it's crazy. Yeah. Um. All right. My three. Like I said, we would have one 
that is uh, in common, and that's a reversal of the classic Moonface pink gold. I, I like that one a lot, but for me, I, w I would prefer the um, Jaeger reversal tribute, the blue dial with a blue band on it. That watch sword to me is really, really classic. I like that a lot, but I feel like the just the classic reversal is just exactly what it is. It's classic. It's, gonna, it's a timeless piece. And I also just like different watches. The reversal fits into that conversation to me for a lot of things that Cartier does where it's different shapes and things. And I like that you can flip that. Like, that comes to such a handy, like, when we used to work all the time, we would have to move boxes and stuff whenever boxes, like, you don't want to scratch up the face of the watch or the the, uh, the sapphire of the watch or anything like that. You just flip it. That, it makes complete sense to me that, that, uh, that add-on that you can do rather than, you know, all the other, like, the diving sh shit that you get into, all this stuff. Like, for me, what am I going to do? Go to the bathtub and swim? Down? Like, I'm not going to go diving. Like, it, it, make, it makes no difference to me. So that one actually makes, like, some really good sense to me. Um, continuing this, the Doctor Strange watch is also in my top. It's the just the classic watch that I've said that it fits in the middle of the Venn diagram of watches that are realistic to buy and watches that are a little out of the price range because I like the white gold version. The white gold version is like 45 grand. So that's a pretty pricey watch. Dog. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people always, you know, like we talk, a lot of people always go to the Rolex for stuff like that. And there, somebody would tell you for $45,000, I can buy a better watch. But I think they think of it in terms of a watch that is going to accrue more value later on. This Jaeger necessarily isn't going to be the, like, you know, a watch where you're like, oh, I'm going to flip this watch. This is a watch that you genuinely enjoy. Yeah, 100%. This is a watch you give down to you pass down to your kids. Like, this is like the, the watch, you know? Um, I th and I think, honestly, for like, I'm just looking at the, I'm still looking at the pink gold reverso for 14 grand. Like, a, a pink gold from one of the best watchmakers in the world. So it's a, and you can also pay with a firm on Jaeger. I don't know if you saw that. That's but crazy. if you want, you can shop <laughs> with a firm. You can make four payments of 10 grand and get, and get, a, and get a watch. Jesus. Um, my last watch I'm going to end off with is their, um, I, I don't feel like this watch is very, like, known or spoken about a lot. Um, it's the, the Jaeger Dual Metre, I think is how you pronounce it. It would be this one. Oh, yeah. Dual Demetre. Demetre, yeah. Yeah, that watch to me is, is like, the thing is, uh, for me, I've always liked Moonface watches, and I feel like this is the type of watch that is, like, just the right amount of skeletonized for me. I, I'm, like, blown away. I didn't, I've never even seen this thing. I'm blown away. This that thing watch is, is beautiful. insane. That watch is beautiful. So the one that I'm specifically looking at is their uh, pink gold, um, and then it has an alligator brown strap. I, I like that a lot. And one thing that I do like with Jaeger, just looking at their um, website, is that they also let you add bands right there. Like they, mm -hmm. They'll let you customize your band, and you can get a blue alligator strap if you want, or just a classic just uh, Italian leather. Um, but it's beautiful watch. I love that watch. Yeah, I think the biggest thing about Jaeger from just doing this research for me is like the balance that all the dials have. It's just perfectly, there's not too much on one, even if it's like not a completely symmetrical dial, it's the balance of the design just looks really pleasing to the eye from the front, so from, the, from the dial. And then if you turn around, and look at the movement too, like the Dometre uh, movement is just, is stunning. It's even if so you well finished. If you even if you wanted to get one that wasn't skeletonized, have it has the moon face on the left hand dial. It's perfect. Like if that's just a classic watch, like, that's a perfect Insane. watch. And that's not a watch that you'll see. Maybe like one one in like twelve thousand people. Like if you do the world, you probably see one person have that watch. And that's why I find like the uniqueness of that watch. Like do I like uh, date just and like Daytona's and Sky Dwellers, yeah, like, but that's going to be a more common watch for me. I don't want to have a watch that everyone else has. Like, it's all meant to be unique. That's why we have all these different brands, and I feel like that's a watch that, like, you would definitely, like, get a lot of eyeballs on, but a lot of questions on, like, what watch is that? 
like I'm sure that a lot of people don't know that watch exists. Yeah, I mean this thing is insane. It's yeah, so it's nice. Watch is beautiful. Forty grand too. It's like so thin yeah. for like what the amount of complications that it has and how big the movement kind of needs to be to fit all of that in. It's it's so well done. I would love to go on a tour. I've actually seen people take tours of the Jaeger uh, factory or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do that. It's probably insane to, yeah. to just crazy. It's probably insane. And even the fact that like one thing that I've always noticed is for every watch, I like the ultra thin version of it more. Like overseas ultra thin, I like it more. The the master ultra thin, I like it more. I I don't like the bulkiness of of watches. I like it to be like very simplistic and thin. Yeah, I think the tighter it is to your wrist, the almost like more elegant it feels. Yeah. And that's how I not to bring back the Apple Watch into it, but. When you're comparing, like, just to go on a run, to wear a Garmin Epix, it's, like, 18 millimeters thick. It's like you're really wearing, like, a rock on yeah. your wrist. Apple Watch is nice and thin. It can fit under a cuff. Like, it's perfect. And then when you get into dress washes, you want that, like, really thin where you can, like, just push push your sleeve forward and kind of hide just it. Not it, if yeah. you need a, a piece of elegance where it's like you don't need to be staring at my watch kind of thing exactly also is the thing with me is just like from a comfort standpoint where it's just like i feel like watches should be an accessory that you shouldn't feel that you have it on all the time no 100 percent. and i feel like with like certain watches it would cause me like irritation just for, like that's why i don't like the the pushers on watches because i feel like if i move with that it's gonna mess with my wrist. It's gonna annoy me. And what I would like with like a tank or a reversal is like I'm not gonna feel that I have this watch on. I'm gonna know it's on there, but I won't feel that it's on there. And that's the difference with, between me with watches. This is an this is an it's an accessory to me. Like accessories bother me, so like I don't want it to feel like hey, like this is here to bother me the whole day. And the only reason I'm wearing this is so some girl can look at it not even know what it is and just think I have money or some guy can come over here and have a conversation with me for 45 minutes about where did I get this watch and that he has a relationship with an AD that gives him all type of Daytonas all the time. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, a big thing for me with comfort and, like, it being thin and things like pushing against your wrist and those kinds of things, for me, a good test is, like, whether I can fall asleep with the watch on or not. And there's very few watches that I can truly like say I've fallen asleep like without taking it off. Mm-hmm. There are days I come home work and I'm wearing um, like the Omega. Sometimes I'll have to like take it off when I get in the car. It's like I'm like, oh, this thing is on my wrist. I got to take it off. It's like bothering me just because of like the helium escape valve and the crown digging into my wrist. Um, and it is I am a bigger guy. I have much bigger wrist than a normal person, but still. Yeah, it's still annoying. Like it was. All in all, it's still annoying. Like if, if that's one thing that if if I can push more watch companies to do is make it more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I agree, hundred uh, percent. That's one of those things that I feel like that they no one has attacked a lot because everybody's looking at more of it from a style point of view, which is an accessory. You rather I rather look good than feel than feel better, to be honest. But making it feel better is definitely should be on the the trend of every watch company now. I think like Tudor is one of those companies that has done things that really changed the game with comfort. So like the Pelagos, not the new one, not the 39 millimeter one, but the big boy, the 42 millimeter has that spring loaded clasp so that when you tie it down and you like flex your wrist, it has that like spring where it goes like up, down, up, down. So it really moves based on how you move. So that's like part of that comfort where you can kind of wear it. You can wear it in the sun and like go running and sweat and your wrist will swell. But that's having that spring-loaded clasp will help with that, so it won't bother you as much. So those are things that, if you're a watch company, you should be thinking of that because you want people to wear your watches nonstop. Yeah. So the more that wear it, the and the longer they wear it, the more they want to continue with it. You know. Yeah, but the fight is also always like comfort and like style-wise. Like they don't make Ferraris to be very comfortable; they make it to look good and be fast. So I understand exactly. that. You don't you don't you don't want a, a Ferrari in there feeling like you're in a, a Lincoln. Like that's not that's not gonna be that's gonna make the car feel so heavy. Um, yeah, there's a continuing this over or under. We have over or under watch brands. I think 
so the whole point of this was I saw so I watched uh the latest Theo and Harris video and they did overrated versus underrated. Mm-hmm. Um they did mostly I think they did I didn't watch the whole thing, but they did do watch brands, but I wanted to take it into like more just like culture in general because lifestyle because yeah. it'll like get to know us as a like our personalities a little bit more mm-hmm. um and continue doing over the period of time so the first thing i wanted to start with was seiko i think that's a huge contention in most people with watches are um we, overrated are, are we putting seiko and grand seiko as one or is it seiko just seiko think, i think seiko is finally rated like i think it's perfect Okay, I agree with you. I think Seiko for for the money is yeah. I, I would say it's underrated a little bit because it's it, it's perfectly rated in the watch community. But mm-hmm. if you're like in the outside, like the normal people, it's definitely underrated. That are definitely underrated. People are going for Invictas and yeah. for movement. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that exactly. Like people people who don't know would put Seiko on the same level as Invicta or any of those other like lesser watch brands. And I don't think that they're even close to being on the same level. Like, Seiko doesn't do buy one, get six free, you know? Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not the thing. The next one that we have here is going to definitely start up some, uh, some conversations. Rolex Daytona, overrated, underrated. I'm going to go overrated. I agree. I think it's. A stunning watch the design is timeless but i think they've it's come to a point now where it's like all right relax a little bit with the mm-hmm. with the daytona including the vintage not just the modern ceramic dial ones um i think the prices that they've gone for the hype around them the just absurdity with it it's too it's almost it's become so ingrained in pop culture like it's almost dangerous to wear Daytona's now, which mm-hmm. is like absurd. Before it was, you know, the Richard Meals, the Jacob and Co. watches. Like those are the watches that are flashy and people are staring at. But now people know about thirteen thousand dollar Daytonas that just because of how insane the prices are and how popular they've become. So I'm saying overrated. Exactly. I would say the same thing. And just this is a conversation of um, I see this on a lot of wrists. Whether they're real or not doesn't make it any different because. A lot of, I would say, eighty percent of just the regular population of people who aren't into watches will think that it's real just because it's a Rolex on the wrist, mm-hmm. and it, it depends on the person that has it on as well. But the thing is, with me with Rolex too, I, I, I with, with the Daytona, I've never been the biggest fan of the Daytona. We've all discussed this before. It's just not my particular watch. Like if I could get that watch at a decent price, yeah. But like the amount of times that I've seen all the douches on Instagram or in person wearing the Rolex Daytona green dial is yeah. insane. It's insane. Too much. It's insane. Too much. 75% of them are fake, but it's insane the amount of times that I've seen that watch. And that's that watch is a, a beautiful watch. Probably one of the best Daytonas to meet personally, just because I like the color combinations yeah. of that watch. But the thing is just like, it's become too popularized to, for everybody. It is the Drake of Rolex. Like, that watch is just known to even moms. Like, it's just too much. My favorite Daytona right now is the, it's a white dial, the steel Daytona. I forget the, I don't know, reference numbers like that. Yeah. But um, my best friend has had that watch since he, I think it was like his high school graduation present, which is insane to think of. But yeah. um, the white dial, uh, steel bezel, it gets, it, his is, is even more gorgeous because it's all beat up and it's like super scratched up. So it looks really great. But, the ones like this, especially the ceramic dial panda, it's like it's it's not that cool. Like it's great, it's good looking, but it's it's yeah. everybody like, relax with the Daytonas a little bit. I'm um, more of a Daytona guy, anyways. The older Daytonas are cool because the pump pushers are 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 the big thing for me. Next one we have here on the uh, on the list is AP Royal Oaks. We're gonna differ on this one, I think. All right, go ahead. I think it's perfectly rated. Okay. I, I think, think it's, it's either slightly overrated. Slightly. It's, it's a smidgen it's a, overrated. To me, the 15202 39mm jumbo 
Royal Oak is one of the per- most perfect all around, um, very expensive watches that mm-hmm. anyone could own. Extremely classy with the blue dial. I think it's perfectly sized. Um, you could wear it swimming. You could wear it with a suit. You could wear it with a tux. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely versatile. When you're starting to talk about like Royal Oak offshores and all the giant ones with huge pushers and mm-hmm. gi- sub dials and the crazy colors, like no thanks. But 15202, the like the white gold one with the yellow dial, come on. Like I'd sell mm-hmm. one of my kids for that. Yeah, that watch is beautiful. I've sent you that watch a million times. Is this also the thing? It's just like the popularity effect of it. Like I love the black ceramic, uh, the black ceramic AP Royal. That's a great watch. But remember when we were talking about that watch a year ago? That watch was four hundred grand. That watch is seven hundred grand now. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it, it's it, it's so unobtainable. <laughs> exactly. There's no point of talking about it. Exactly. Like us talking about this would be like us talking about it and like. A classic Mercedes CLS, SLS, like the wing, the golf wing ones. Like that's it's not happening, but like it's a beautiful watch. It's just start. It's I feel like the only reason why it's not a Rolex Daytona level of like oh you see it on everyone's wrist is because the price point. The price point. If the price points were similar, you'd see. I think you'd see more people wearing the Royal Oak than the Daytona any day if it was similar price points. Yeah, and like. I, I've heard a theory about AP that, and I, I, this could be completely wrong, so don't call me on this, but I heard a theory that um, AP doesn't have MSRP prices. They kind of just sell them what they are like, what they feel like selling them at, mm-hmm. which doesn't right, but also could very much be the case. Like, if they choose to sell it to a high-end client that they want to sell to, um, it would make sense that they can charge someone this and then someone else that. Yeah. But at the time, it's, it's kind of iffy. It's and so I know cool. someone... I know someone that has worked for AP that mm-hmm. we might have on the plot to, to give some background on how they do sales and some real, how they do some backdoor gray market dealer, uh, not so kosher things. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be, I eventually have him on the pod. Um, that'll be a really interesting conversation. I'm sure he's not going to want to say his name or anything, so I'm not going to mention anything, but. Um, I mean, when it, when, it com- when it comes to backdoor, I think all these companies do that. A hundred percent. Every single AD in the United States of America does backdoor deals with. I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah. So like, like I feel like that conversation of like, oh, I was with this AD. He was doing some shady stuff. I feel like that happens. It happens even. It happens with any market where you can sell that product for more than it's actually worth in the moment. Just like the the, the regular retail price. I didn't know about the like floating msrp that ap has like that's a little weird that's that's like real like car salesman shady like vibe right there where it's just like oh you make a million you make 10 million a year i guess we can sell this watch to you for 20 more grand like they're still gonna buy it though so we know this i i don't know if that's 100 percent true it's just a theory so it could be completely wrong and i could be talking I mean, out of my ass but. you could but it also could be that hey Maybe some ADs do this stuff because they know certain people's, you know, background of what they what they do for a living. Um, the next one I think we might differ on. It's a uh, Patek Nautilus, overrated, underrated. It's almost the same thing for me for the Royal Oak. You could they're interchangeable. Um, the fifteen eleven blue dial, like stunning watch. I think it's timeless. I think it's something you could wear with whatever. Yeah. Like literally the same feeling I have for the fifteen two hundred two. Um, 5711 green dial. Okay, cool. 5711 green dial with the baguette, like bezel. All right. Insane. But then like the prices here where we're talking. (laughs) Insane. That's insane. 400 grand is just not normal. So like it becomes, gives you like a bad taste in your mouth and you're kind of just like, every time I see one now, it's like, like, I don't really care. Like I know what you paid for it and it's a little ridiculous. Like. On this What's one, I feel point? I feel a little bit different. On this one, I feel like it's finally rated. I love Patek's. There's there's such a great watch. But like we like we said about the Royal Oak, they're becoming unobtainable watches because certain people are just just driving up the market on that and buying these watches. But if you want against like real classic, I like this just the shape of that watch a lot. Like we, I've discussed this on this podcast plenty of times. Um, the round 
watch shapes aren't really my favorite, and I feel like that mm-hmm. Patek like, rom- I wouldn't say rhombus, but it's almost like a oval square. Like there's no real hard yeah. edges on it. Yeah, I I love that watch. Like I I love how that watch looks. I feel like that watch is like if I was to get a sports watch, that's the watch that I get. That's a classic, plain, good watch to me. That green dial, not this beautiful. I'll take that watch any day of the week. The one with the baguettes is just insane. Just insane. That, that That's just like you wanted to take it up a notch and show people like, oh, no, this is how much I really make. Yeah. It's a little uh, ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, Going off a little bit off of the watches, uh, next one is overrated, underrated Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. My kids love it. 100%. Your kids, your kids love that more than me. I, here's the thing I don't eat meat anymore yeah. but when I did I liked Chick-fil-A I think it's stupidly overrated <laughs> I, I, I don't that good. the fries are great yeah. don't get me wrong but the chicken sandwiches are just like a chicken sandwich like I could do it at home honestly oh, we're it's so off on this one we're so off on this one I said Chick-fil-A is perfectly rated if, if I had to put it on a notch I would say I would say it's perfectly rated, but I do understand why you would say it's overrated in the sense of like everybody just raves about it too much and it kind of gets annoying. But coming from a guy who just had Chick Fil A fucking breakfast for the for the morning, it's phenomenal, dog. <laughs> like that chicken biscuit with the jelly is insane. Like that, like that's one of those things where I allow myself to have like one a year, and I'm like, oh man, this is insane. Like if you can wake up this early, like for people who have three children. If you wake up early enough for that, me, a person who popped his tire yesterday and had to go to the mechanic this morning, it's worth it. It's really good. It's really good. They're they're just, you know, the classic stuff like the chicken sandwich um, or like their nuggets or their uh, tenders. You know, it, to me, it's like it, like when we work together, it would be like I would go there if I didn't want to go to more of a mom and pop place. It was just quicker for me to go there. I'd go there. But if, it, if it's like... I'm not gonna go out of my way to have Chick Fil A, but I will say that their spicy mm-hmm. chicken tenders are very underrated. Those are the best thing they have on the menu. Okay, if we're talking breakfast, I would say they're perfectly rated. The breakfast is really good. They used to have this sandwich called the Egg White Grill. I think it was. It had like chicken and egg whites. I used to eat that a lot when I was like a psycho CrossFitter. I would I think eat they it because it's have like that. pretty good. I'm seeing like if you want to get some protein, egg whites. Chick- grilled chicken biscuit ain't too great but you know <laughs> alright we can go to the next one uh, my hometown Miami overrated or underrated oh we're, we're gonna definitely differ on this cause I know how you feel about Miami and you know how I feel about Miami so let's get into the conversation of that Miami's a dump Miami is <laughs> not, not even overrated it's not even on my radar Miami is a complete piece of shit I would never <laughs> want to step foot in that city ever again if I didn't have to um everyone that especially from covid like everyone moving down there mm-hmm. it's become worse and i'm so glad that i don't live in that city anymore and i don't even want to associate with that city anymore okay coming from a person that frequently likes to go to miami and uh indulge in miami activities i think i think if you're going to miami to do the miami stuff like people who go for spring break and they go to do like various activities and clubs and go to like rent Ferraris and like kind of like quote unquote flex on people, then yes, if you're looking at a specific part of Miami and like you're going to like South Beach or like your intentions are always to go to Wynwood and go like take pictures of the Wynwood wall or go to Brickle and like go to the, the mall over there, it's completely overrated. But for me... It's more underrated because I like to go to more of the mom and pop places of Miami, like just little hole in the wall Italian places, which Miami has a great, um, a great cuisine of my of Italian cuisines over there. Like it's it's really good with the food and just Spanish food and stuff like that. I go to Miami for the little bit of classic Miami that is still there. I don't go to Miami to go be like, hey, I'm gonna go rent a Ferrari and then pick up some girls on South Beach. Like that's not really my vibe. Or, like, go to Sexy Fish in Brickle and, you know, like, the food is trash, 
But, you know, it looks great to take pictures at. Like, uh, that's not what I do. So if that's what you do, then it's overrated to me from that standpoint. But if you go to do what I do and just go chill and relax and have, like, a great scenery and, like, I try to stay in the more, like, Star Island vibe of Miami where it's just, like, secluded. I don't want to be around the mess and I want to go in and out of the the mess and maybe go get, like, let's sound with Chi or something, something like that. But other than that, I'm good. Like, I'm not really <laughs> there. I'll go to Winwood every once in a while if everybody wants to go, but that's not really my vibe. Now, I don't want to see people in slingshots all day. <laughs> that that's Miami is like Hard Rock Nick is Miami. 100%. That guy. I don't know if you've read his Instagram bio, but his like location is Ball Harbor because he's like <laughs> trying to flex shops at Ball Harbor shops or whatever. But like Miami is great for like events. So if you're going for like Art Basel or now like with F1 and stuff, it's cool. But it's just the crowd that it brings is like yeah. the armpit. I hate those people. Um, I don't want to associate with those people. I think you can do. There's way cooler cities in the country, oh, let I, alone I the agree. world. I agree. And like, I like New York City way more than I like Miami. I like a hundred times more than I like Miami. I I, I, have, I haven't been in New York in like three years. From what I hear from people, from all my people in New York, that New York is a little different. But I do enjoy New York a lot. Like if if New York is still the same old New York of like the times when I used to live in New York and stuff. I'll definitely choose New York over it. And it just holds more culture than Miami does. Miami is trying to build that, but in, like, a sleazy way sometimes. Like, Miami, the people who live in Miami, who have lived there their whole lives, I I tend to say they're a a little bit more snobby. Yeah, 100%. A lot of stuff. Is the capital of snobs in the world and the capital entrepreneurs that say they wake up at 4 a.m take a cold shower drink 18 cups of coffee write a to-do list and then are done at noon you know like 100 but i love that miami is active though like if you go over there you you see people running walking the dogs all the time yeah where we are most of the time you don't see that you see fat white guys in in uh in golf carts chugging a bud light at like 2 a.m and hitting a 95 on the course. Yeah, like, no, that's not that's not really what it is. Miami is more active. New York is also, like, you know, just, just more, like, you feel more energy there. But it does suit you to be in the city that you're in for a person who has three kids. Like, Miami's not, I wouldn't want to raise Miami, to, my kids in Miami and be like, yeah, let's go to Wynwood and then they see all that. Like, you know, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Next one we got there, what we got? Uh, the next one is Louis Vuitton. Overrated, Louis underrated. Vuitton. Um, all right. This is not more of my wheelhouse of, uh, of conversations. Um, Louis yeah. Vuitton to me, if we're talking Damier print, just the regular, you know, the classic Louis Vuitton logo and stuff like that, I think it's very, very overrated. Like, I think that is used by, like, the... Really? Yeah, the speedy bag and, like, you know, the never fool and all that stuff, I think it's very, 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 very used as, like, how can I put this? It's, like, the trophy that guys feel when they get a date just, you know, just an entry-level Rolex. Women feel like that for the normal Louis Vuitton stuff. But the thing with Louis Vuitton is, like, they have more to offer than just what everybody goes and gets. Like, you know, we've worked in, in luxury retail plenty of times. People go for the classic stuff because that's what they see everybody wearing. But a more evolved Louis Vuitton, like, consumer, wears more of the, the epi leather and, like, you know, the the different collections that will have, like, the world collections or the trunks and stuff like that. And that nature, I think that's very underrated with all the things, like, that Virgil has done, you know, like, switching everything, bringing skateboards and stuff. Because I like little, like... Um, very unique pieces that people make like virtual made a, a skateboard bag and a skateboard and all that stuff like yeah like that stuff but if you're talking classic Louis Vuitton I think it's completely overrated you guys got like you got guys like Hard, uh, Hard Rock Nick wearing you know the the Louis Vuitton belt buckle with the LV on it that's super overrated to me like I, I can care less about that so I actually feel the opposite I feel like the classic Louis Vuitton like the Damier print I've seen it too be- much 
it could be done tastefully. Here's my listen. Here's my thing. Um, I think the never full and those kinds of things are. I could totally see your point, but I think for me, the way I view Louis Vuitton is like I will only have like the Damier print wallet, mm-hmm. and like that's all I would. Have Louis Vuitton. Like I'm not gonna. Own, I'm not gonna have that plus the belt plus the shades yeah. plus the loafers. Like I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. Like I would only wear. I think the the wallets and like if you have one or two pieces like those are classic pieces that will never go out of style where i feel like some of the virgil stuff which is really cool can be like overdone and kind of and like and it's not something that can last forever not something that's going to be like going on like i could get like i could keep my parents dummy or print wallet yeah they can like and that would still be like uh what's more of a story there like a more of a heritage. Yeah, it, that can be passed on, and it's something that's not going to go out of style. Um, yeah. So I think it's, like, perfectly rated. I wouldn't say it's, like, over or under in any way. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see this being extremely, like, overrated and hard knock Rick in the full-on out, full on outfit. It's just, um, done, it's just done too much, man. It's done too much. Like, that is a staple in, like, I would say any woman's collection with uh, with, like, uh, handbags and, and things of that nature. It's, it's definitely that, but I think that I think women who wear Chanel classics look at women who wear Louis Vuitton are completely different. Yeah, it's a I different level. That. It's a different level of it. I feel like okay, like Rolexes are you know phenomenal watches and they do great things. I think Louis Vuitton and Rolex are very similar in the sense of like that is the trophy for both things. Could, me, me, I look something at like a Patek. Or a Vacheron, like a Chanel, or Loewe, or something of that nature, where it's just, or like a Hermes, right? Where it's just like very mom and pop and they do things very well. And like, you know, they're still sought after, but you don't see as much. Chanel, you definitely do. Hermes, you definitely do, depending on what city you're in. But it's a different level of that taste. Hermes makes the Birkin, right? Yep. Like, what are the chance? You can't just, like, walk into a store and get a Birkin, right? No. That, that'd that be, like, you walk into a store and being like, let me get a Patek with a Tiffany stamp. Like, let, let's, let's go. No, like, I know that there's someone that I know who is talking about saying, like, oh, I'm going to so-and-so to get a Birkin. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. You, if you have, like, you, like, like we've talked about with the same watches, if you have a relationship with somebody at Hermes, then, yeah, like, you can go in there and get a, a, one right now. I can hit somebody up at the ball, the ball harbor shops right right away. And I can get someone like at least one or two for like a gift or something like that. Like you know something specifically where he knows you're not gonna resell it or anything like that. Cause that they track that stuff a lot, like uh very heavily. Cause the bags resell for a lot. Like you can get a Kelly bag for like twelve grand. You can resell that bag for like maybe thirty five thousand. So, like, that's a big markup there. But like yeah, if I wanted to get um someone like my mother or my significant other a bag i can get one but you have to have a relationship with people to get that it's the same concept speaking of having to have a relationship to uh get something factory set diamonds overrated underrated underrated super underrated super i agree yeah that's super underrated people rather go get uh, some bs like super clouded diamonds from whatever jeweler that is in their city and get it drilled into the watch than a factory set. Like, factory set lets me know you got the balls to pay for those diamonds off because that's going to be right. pricey. It's not like walking into Icebox and saying, let me get that, whatever, mm-hmm. and then you're rapper taking a picture with that dude. And, like, no, it's not the same. I think factory set diamonds are what sets apart the, the like, if you know, you know guys, like the guys that have the the, the real deal versus, you know, the average SoundCloud rapper kind of thing. Me particularly, I don't really like diamonds on watches. Me particularly. But if you have factory set, I have way more respect for you than I would have for anybody else who drills it into their watches. And, like, it's it's a fine line because we've, sh- like, sent each other watches. There are, like, again, like the 5711 with the, the baguette bezel. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But they also have paddock making, like, the fully iced out 5980. Nope. Which, the one that Khaled had, right? Is that the Khaled one? That's the one that Khaled had that you yeah. didn't even believe no, that it was No, I for Patek. sure thought that was uh, uh, like aftermarket. That that watch looked like it was aftermarket. Like, there's a way to be tasteful with it. Because, you know, they have some some Rolexes, especially, like, I think they have, like, a fully, 
set Daytona with like a bunch of baguettes, diamonds, and stuff like that. I don't like it. Like that watch is expensive, but I don't like it. Yeah, yeah it's not for me. Um, moving along here, we have Porsche. Overrated, underrated. To me, this is extremely easy. It's like perfectly rated. I think almost perfectly rated, leaning towards underrated. Yeah. Um, you see most guys that want a nice car, they want a Ferrari, Lamborghini, whatever. Um, I think you can get like the perfect balance between the class comfort performance in a Porsche. Um, I'm actually like kind of looking at an old 996 that I want to potentially buy, the one that's like extremely high mile um, as like a second kind of car, but to me it's like again that classic timeless look that it goes in line with the louis vuitton damier goes in line with the rolex the thing that will never go wrong it'll always look the same and it's just per like it's a perfect piece of design if that makes sense to me i would say the same thing i would say if anything slightly underrated i mean talking about a guy that was gonna that we were going for another podcast that i have we were going to get a vintage porsche boxster and get it redone and wrapped with like like kind of like not wrapped but tastefully put the logo in certain places of the podcast because it fits just the like the uh elegance looks of it the um the font of it i love porsches like they're they're, they're great cars I, I, I love the look of them the inside interior if it's done right it's perfect like you can get like a a cream mocha leather in there outside green little dark forest green that beautiful beautiful car i've seen too much um ones that they reworked of vintage ones to not love what they do with those watches i mean with those cars uh next we'll go this i think we're gonna differ on heavily uh richard mail overrated or underrated (laughs) overrated I'm going to say overrated, too. And uh, the reason I said we were going to run it is because I like Richard Mille, and I know yeah. you don't like Richard Mille, but I, I'll agree with you. It is extremely overrated, I think. Yeah, no. If you're I, that kind of... I think certain ones are underrated, like the Pharrell one, or like, you know, like the Nadal ones. I think those are really underrated. But, you know, like the classic, just RM10, RM11, RM12, like, just... Okay, like, you just showed me that you, you were going to spend... 800 grand on basically uh, a high-end G-Shock to me. Like, that's how I look at those watches. I, and I agree. I, the, I've told myself this. The only way I'd ever own a Richard Mille is if I become a senior golf pro and they decide to sponsor me and I'm yeah, like the exactly. next bubble watch. <laughs> yeah. No other way I would ever. I would not pay that. With 800 grand, I can get a collection of, of great watches, like great vintage watches. Um, continuing this, um, this is definitely more in my, in my forte kit. It's a, a, a retailer store uh, from New York. They have one in Miami now. They have one in Paris and London. Um, that's completely overrated to me. Like it had its time where it was like unique and like avant-garde and like, you know, they were just like, you know, for the people, there's no longer that it's definitely like a company now. And I think it's overrated. Um, my thing with Kith is like the only gripe I have with Kith really is that they do collabs with it feels like everybody, mm-hmm. and they're a con. It kind of reminds me of the same formula Supreme took, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like doing collabs with BMW and like yeah. literally anybody they're doing a collab with. But at the same time, like Ronnie is doing like such a good job. I feel like with the the brand overall and like the partnerships that he has so like even though it is overdone it feels like but it it feels so tasteful at the same time mm-hmm. so i'm kind of like on the for certain things. where i really like for the jerry things. seinfeld yeah. is so nice yeah so well done yeah uh but the thing is like for certain things you can tell that they're a little forced like the whole like they're you you you're, you're, like, you highlighted very, like, you know, pivotal ones. You had, like, BMW, you had TaylorMade, like, you know, things that make sense in, in, in certain aspects. But, like, when you have one with Cinnamon Toast Crunch, it's just like, okay, who is this for? Like, <laughs> who's the Honey Nut Cheerios collab for, like, here? Like, you know, it's more of a, like, he just has relationships with a lot of companies so that he's, a lot of people use his kind of, like, 
street cred cool thing like you know that he's in like in that street uh street where like stratosphere and like you know streetwear is becoming a lot bigger where a lot of the bigger like high-end companies are starting to mimic a lot of the stuff that maybe supreme was doing a, a little while ago supreme is a little different because supreme when it was owned by supreme it was different but then once they sold to other conglomerates and other investment companies then it changes a little bit because like it, the integrity is lost a little bit because now i have to make this billion dollars that i just uh spent on this but kevin kev kev can be in both spaces to me at times like i think something's really cool but then he does something that i find like to be really distasteful or like corny and you don't want your brand to ever feel like oh people like oh this is corny like that's not right great you also don't want it to be fluctuating back and forth like oh this is the honey nut cheerios collab is kind of whack but the jerry seinfeld thing is cool and yeah. you're kind of like going back and forth. you don't like, really have a fan base like Think about it, it from this aspect. We've talked about this on my other podcast because it's more tailored towards fashion. Um, Kith, Kith used to be the front runner for the New York streetwear, like stratosphere. Now it's Emilion Dior, and now mm-hmm. it feels like he's chasing that rather than doing his own thing. Every, I feel like a lot of brands are chasing that look of like the elegant streetwear collection, and they're making photos look just like it and you know like that that's where we're at at this point um last one we'll continue here is overrated underrated hublot we're definitely gonna differ on this one you think (laughs) hublot is my hublot is the best watch company there is like they have the most integrity the most the most unique silhouettes of anybody like the, the the greatest and they have the best fans too. The Hublot fans are the best. I love everyone that owns a Hublot. I love <laughs> Hublot. <laughs> you know, to be honest, like it's very rare I see a Hublot out in the in in the jungle. Very rare. Here's the thing. I feel like it's almost like a death wish if you want to wear a Hublot around people that like watches. Like <sighs> you, it, if anyone mentions that they like Hublot, they're coming for your head. Rightfully so. They're they're fucking horrible. I fucking hate Hublot. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking, and they like what I don't like about Hublot is that I feel like they're just stealing designs from Clearly. other companies constantly, yeah. mm-hmm. constantly, like all all the time. And it's just yeah. it, there's no there's no heritage, there's no like backbone behind the company. Where like I can respect the company even if I don't like their designs or anything, if they have a backbone and they have a history and they have something to put out into the world, like I'd be open to it. Something These unique, at least, yeah. I could never even look at like I would never even consider it um, they could fall off the face of the earth and I wouldn't give a fuck to be completely honest no. Hublot's, Hublot is a very specific very I'm mean, like, I, like I said perfect way to summarize this people who drive Maseratis buy Hublot's that's it <laughs> <laughs> like that's Hublot, it same brand they, 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 should the co- same. they should collab and sell it to the same people who think that Maserati is oh tasteful and they just use Chrysler parts. So alright, there you go. Like that's it. <laughs> like there's 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 nothing to say about Hublot. Um we'll end that off here. No concept of time, episode three.